Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? So glad you guys are here today as we take up um, our offering this morning. I want to share just a couple things with you. First, my name is Zach. I'm the pastor here at River Club, and we're so glad that you're here today. We're also so glad for those that are joining us on our live stream or watching the service at a later date. Listen, if you're a first-time guest or you're fairly new here, we want you to know this. We're so glad to have you especially, and we will pray. And our, our, our heart is that you feel at home, you feel welcome here today, because our heart is for you, and we believe. That, that this is going to be a cool time for you, um, no matter whether you're a guest or you come here every single week. Hey, we're going to begin a brand new series here in just a couple of minutes called Getting Back to Church. Now, I know summer's not over yet, but the fall is kind of looming here in about a month. And so one of the things that, that I know for me and one of the things I think happens for a lot of us is, is as school kind of gets back going, as things get back to a little bit more of a norm in terms of routine and stuff like that, we begin to make decisions about kind of maybe getting back to some of the things that maybe we didn't do as much or we were a little more out and in on in terms of the summertime. And one of the things that for a lot of people they start talking about is, hey, you know, we need to kind of get back to church. But what does it mean to really get back to church? You know, church can be a lot of different things for a lot of different people. But at the heart of of who God is, the heart of who Jesus is, what is his plan for us as the church? And and what is his plan for us as individuals? And and we believe at River Club that, that God has five timeless purposes for our life. That as an individual, if you want to know what God has for you, what he has in store, what he desires, it really comes down to five things. And these five things are also the same things he has for us as a local church. That God wants us to be people who worship. He wants us to be people who connect with others in community. He wants us to serve and make a difference in the world and in the the, the towns that we live in. He wants us to commit to his mission and to have fellowship and connection with other followers of Jesus. And he wants us to live our lives in such a way where we're constantly looking at how can we invite others to experience life in Jesus. Well, those five things make up the core of what we believe it means to truly be part of River Club Church. When it comes to what we want to encourage you to do, what we want to provide opportunity for you to do, it comes down to those five things. So over the course of this series, we're going to take every week and we're going to focus on one of those five things. And today, Ryan Chase and our student minister is going to come and he's going to share with you more about what it means to be a person of worship. What does it mean for us to live out God's plan and purpose for worship, not just together, not just individuals, but both ways. And so I want to pray for him and I want to pray for our time, pray for us as God's going to speak to us. And then when he comes out, I want you to give him a great big welcome this morning. Let's pray together. Father God, I want to thank you that you have made very clear in in the Bible, God, in your word, what life is supposed to be all about. And God, that, that in all the choices we have to, to make and the things we can decide to make our life about, you've revealed to us, God, what's most important. And you've revealed not only that to us as individuals, God, but to us as a, a local church. And that these five things are the five things that we're wanting to choose as a church and choose as individuals. And so, God, today as Ryan comes and he shares more about this timeless truth, this purpose of worship, this eternal purpose for our lives to worship you, God, I pray that you would just anoint him. God, I pray that you would take his words, his study, his preparation, God, his leaning on you, and that you would use him in a powerful way 
God, that you would open up our hearts, that you would focus our minds on what you want to say to us today and how you want to challenge us, God, how you want to maybe um, encourage us, God, but maybe also show us some things in our life where, God, we, we could do better and we can trust you more so that we can live out the fullness of what it means to be yours. So, God, we thank you for this time, and we pray, God, that you'll speak to us through Ryan. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys, welcome, Ryan. Hey, good morning. Um, so, uh, like Pastor Zach shared, we are launching into a brand new series today on, on the five things. And, and specifically for today, we get, I get the, the, the privilege of speaking on worship. And so, as a staff, we, we, we came together and we tried... We tried to figure out what what is worship? What does it look like? What does it sound like? What what is worship? And so we had a lot of conversations, and uh, well, we came up with this. So watch this video. Up playing at LAX with a dream and a cardigan. Cause I got that sunshine in my pocket, got that good soul in my feet. Time goes by so slowly. But working too hard can give you a heart attack. You ought to know by now. Just imagine, just imagine, just imagine. And I, we Okay, can we like delete that, please? So uh, one of us gets paid to sing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that um, so I again I have the the unbelievable honor and privilege of being our student minister, which also means that sometimes I have to bring a crowd back from things like that. And so we're just going to try to jump right into this worship. What is worship? What is worship? Uh, it's defined like this: um, the act of adoring and praising God, that is ascribing worth to God as the one who deserves homage and service. Uh, I remember as a, as a kid, I remember, uh, so I grew up in a small Baptist church um, just a little south of Atlanta, and um, I remember like my first understanding and idea of worship happened on Sunday evenings at what we called a worship service. So these, these small gatherings of our church people, Sunday evenings, worship service, uh, I remember like we would just 
sing. We would, like the, the purpose of the night was we would just get together to sing songs. And sometimes, sometimes God would show up and we would have to hold hands with the people next to us. Eh? Some of you are like, oh yeah, I've, I've been a part of those. And then other times when God would really move, we would cross the aisles and hold hands with the people across the aisles. These, these were the moments when God would show up and worship. And I remember so fifth, sixth grade, somewhere in there, I, I remember like thinking through strategically, where am I going to sit? And some of those laughters told me you thought the same thing. As a fifth or sixth grade boy, I remember thinking it would be far too easy to sit next to the cute girl, hoping that the Lord would show up and we'd have to hold hands. And so I'm going to sit across the aisle and then wait. Oh, all right. I guess we're holding hands now. But this was my first interaction with worship. It was something that happened on a Sunday evening, and it was something that happened sometimes by singing songs. Dan Kimball, he he is the author of a book called Emerging Worship, and he says the most frequent Greek New Testament word for worship is proskuneo, which stems from pros, or toward, and kuneo, to kiss. This is an act of reverence and devotion, and in biblical times often involved bowing, or kneeling and lying prostrate in reverence before a holy God. Worship is the way to express our love and praise to Jesus, who first loved us and gave himself up for us. Can I be honest for a moment, just to be real? As, and maybe even to ask for a little bit of forgiveness in this. As a minister of the gospel, as, as, as pastors, as church leaders, not just here at this church, but I believe in churches across the country, we have led you to believe that worship happens when you go somewhere. That worship happens when you come to a church and there's a guy standing up on stage with a guitar and he's singing and not taking anything away from what Ryan and our band, what they do. But we, I feel as if we've led you to believe that worship only happens on a Sunday morning in a very specific place in a designed way. And I'm just as guilty as thinking this way also, that, that I, I've caught myself saying I'm going to worship or I'm, I'm going to a worship service or I'm, I'm, I'm on my way to experience worship. And I, I, I have found myself doing this and I'm sure that you have as well. And we have we've somehow bought into the idea of if it's anything but that, Maybe it's not real worship then. Maybe it's just singing some songs or walking through some motions. And while I believe it is unbelievably important for us to be in worship and community, and, and while I believe that this is, this is vital to who we are as a community, I think worship has to happen outside of this place as well. 
And the craziest part is that we are currently living in a time, the, the, the generation that we are in, like there has never been more, more worship readily available to us than the time that we are in right now. There are more singers and songwriters and more worship songs and more worship albums or more styles of worship. There, there are more of these things right now than at any other time in history. And my fear is that we're going to buy into this idea or that we will be remembered as the generation who consumed more worship. But is this worship really changing us? Is this worship really changing us? Is it really doing anything? Do we as a church, do we want our legacy to be that we consumed more worship than any other generation? Or do we want our legacy to be that we worshiped God and we glorified God and we took his message and his hope to every corner of the world? Do we want to be known as consumers or as consumees? Open up to Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verse 15. We'll have it on, on the screen. It says, through Jesus, therefore. Let me stop. Through Jesus, therefore. The placement of this at the end of the book of Hebrews is monumental. And we unfortunately don't have enough time to walk through all of this. And I, I imagine that, that you probably don't have the desire for us to walk through all of this right now, what this means. And so for the sake of time, we're just going to walk through. And I want you to catch something. Through Jesus, therefore. This means through Jesus. This means that, that Jesus, he is the door. Through Jesus, the door. The door, Jesus. Let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. If you have to come through the door to experience the door, worship will never happen. Real, authentic worship will never take place. Because you will always need someone to stand on stage. You will always need someone to lead you. You will always need an environment created to help foster worship for you. But if you come through these doors, already have been walking through the door, then worship is already going on. It's already in you. It's already through you. It's, it's all consuming. It's, it's, it's a part of your everyday life. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. In my Bible, there's a long dash, and it says, The fruit of lips that confess his name. This means that worship is words. It is things that we sing. It is the, the things that we say. Like, sure, like it, it, it is words, but if it's not a sacrifice... If it's not costing us anything, then now our worship, we, we have created our worship in this consumer mindset. We are just consumers. 
As people of God, we have been created to be consumees of worship. People who give this praise and this honor to, to God, for he is worthy of it. Consumees. A consumer says, I like this song. I don't like this song. I want this song. Maybe sing this song. But a consumee of worship says, God, it's all for you. And so as long as you're happy, I'm happy. That's good for me. As long as you enjoy it, as long as it's about you, then it's good. But consumees of worship, we, or consumers of worship, we have bought into this idea that we need to feel good about it. And so, so often, we come into a worship experience like one of these, perhaps. We sing some songs that may or may not make us feel good. And then we walk out, unchanged and unmoved. Forgetting that worship is always about him. I have found myself and I have heard myself and I have stopped myself. But I, I, I have said to Ryan before, like on a Monday meeting or maybe right after a worship service, like, man, that, that worship was so good. It was on point. Like, man, it was awesome. And really what I'm saying was, Ryan, you played the songs that I want you to play because they make me feel good. Or Pastor Zach, like your message today was incredible. I love it. I can't wait to tell someone else about it. Because we're just consumers of worship. When it doesn't matter really what the song is, as long as it's giving praise and adoration to him, that's really all that matters, right? Yeah. And then the author of Hebrews continues with and. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices... God is pleased. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. This means that our worship does not stop when the music stops. This means that our worship does not end when we reach the lobby. And this means that our worship does not end when we get into the parking lot. But that we have to to go as people who claim the name of Jesus, like our worship, it has to be out there. And it's probably far more important that we worship there, that our worship of God happens there than it does here. Because we are called to go. We, we, we are called to, to, to be changing culture. Do good. Share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Our worship has the potential to end world hunger. Our worship of God has the potential to end world hunger. It has the potential to heal and restore marriages. It has the ability to change our culture. Our worship has the ability to change everything. And if it just happens in here after we walk through those doors, then it'll change nothing. We have to be walking through the door all the time. 
I'm about to say something that I, I, I need to know that this is like a safe place, okay? Like this is something like judge-free zone, like this is okay. Okay, a lot of like nervous looks. Awesome. So uh, I've seen about seven episodes of The Voice. I mean, how many of you have seen The Voice? This side of the room. Awesome. Um, and so um, I've seen about seven episodes of The Voice and in... What I'm about to say, like, this is like the judge-free part. Like, those shows, the American Idol, next, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know, something else. Someone said something in the first hour, and I have no idea what it was. Um, but those types of, like, singing shows, while I love music, they just bother me. They're just annoying. Like, I, I just can't, I, I can't handle it. And so, like, for people to say, like, oh, I can't wait to watch The Voice, I'm like, I'm like eh, not for me. Um, but one of the seven episodes that I watched, there was this time that the, the lead singer of the band Fun, he was on, his name is Nate Roos, and he said, he, he said to his mentee, I don't know, something, he was a coach or something, he's not, he didn't have the spinny chair, he had just a normal chair, and he was like coaching them or something, if you've seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but he was there as a guest person on this show, and he said to his person, I'd rather be moved by something than impressed by something. I'd rather be moved. Our worship has the the ability to move the heart of God. Our worship has the ability to move the heart of God. When we do good, when we share with others, when we, when we, we take his message to every corner of the earth, this makes God raise his hand. This makes God stand. Like these are the things that move the heart of God. We right now, we live in this amazing time where there's more humanitarian efforts than, I mean, ever before. Uh, The Red Campaign. How many of you have heard of the Red Campaign? A a good handful of you. So the Red Campaign is all about um, really raising money to eradicate HIV AIDS. Like this is is their big thing. That's their big push. And in the 10 years since they've been in existence, they've raised over $465 million dollars. Um, a few years ago, American Idol, when it was relevant or still on or, or whatever, they did this thing called Idol Gives Back. Some of you parents maybe saw an, um, a, a charge on your cell phone bill uh, about how your child decided they were going to text this. I don't know. Um, but they, in, in the three years that they did Idol Gives Back, they raised over $135 million. And it was all going towards helping the least of these. I feel like that's biblical. Bono, a lot of a lot of Christians like they claim Bono, like yeah, he he's the voice for the church. He's going and he's doing all of these things, and you can't help but think of Africa and and orphans and AIDS and the water crisis without thinking of Bono, because he he, he gets it. He's going. He's doing. And my question though is, where is the church? Where is the church in this? What are we doing? What, 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 are, what is going on to where? Are we making a difference? Is our worship really a sacrifice? 
in Luke 19, uh, Jesus is told to keep his disciples from praising, from praising God, just to keep them from crying out. And he said, if they keep quiet, the rocks will cry out. And I wonder if, if he actually meant today, or if he would just say it today, I wonder if he would actually say, if they keep quiet, then the rock stars are going to cry out. If my church is silent, the rock stars will stand up and do something. And because of American Idol, we'll raise $135 million because my church is silent. Is our worship a sacrifice? Is it costing us anything? I had a a buddy one time tell me at a camp. He just got done speaking to a bunch of students, and he came down, and he's like, Man, I was made to preach. I was like, no, you weren't. You may have been wired to preach. But you were made to worship. Preaching is just something you get to do, but you were made for worship. For you. Maybe you're like, I'm a stay-at-home mom of three. I am an electrician. I am a a, a Navy officer. I am uh, fill-in-the-blank. That's your job. But you were made to worship. You were made to worship. Here's the bottom line. If you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this. We worship God because he is worthy. Period. We worship a holy God because he is worthy. Not just on Sunday mornings. Not just Tuesday afternoons. Not just... Thursday, or I mean, wait, not just on Sundays, but also on Tuesdays, also on Thursdays, also when you're riding in your car, also when you're having a conversation with your spouse, also when you're having a conversation, students, to your teacher. Worship has to be all-consuming. If you come through these doors to experience worship, then we're already missing it. Worship should be happening. You should be walking through these doors having already experienced the door. Are you tracking? We should be worshiping God always, all the time. And so when we're standing in the lobby, when we're having conversations with people and they're like, hey, worship is about to start, you can say to them with a straight face, no, worship has already started. It is alive and it is well and it is moving inside of me all the time. I've already experienced the door. I'm already walking through the door. Now I can go through these doors to sing a few songs because my worship always happens. It's always going on. It never stops. It never ceases. My worship is already happening. 
And this is our response. We worship a holy, holy God. Luke 4, 8 says, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So my question, what does your worship say about what you believe about God? What does the way you worship or how you worship or when you worship, what does it say about what you believe about God? As a, uh, a student minister, I have the unbelievable privilege to take our students to camp. And if you've never been to camp before, if, if, if you've never like been to like a summer camp or, or whatever, like some of you, as I'm looking around, like you, you missed the cut. Um, but um, if, if you've never been if you really want to go, like I, I need volunteers all the time. And so I can help you make sure that you get to camp. But I remember being at camp this past summer. At our high school camp, we were having a conversation about the way we worship and the God that we worship. And we talked a lot about a worship culture on how we we need to worry less about the people that are around us because our worship is not for them. We need to worry less about that and we need to worry about him. Our worship has the ability to move God. So what does your posture, or what does the posture of your worship say about the posture of your heart? What does the posture and the way and the the amount of time that you spend in worship, what does it say about the posture of your heart? Does it scream that there is a God who is worthy of his name? because it has the ability to change everything. So you may be thinking like, Ryan, what does this look like? What, what practically, what does that look like? Three very, very quick things. One, come prepared. If you have to walk through these doors to experience worship, it's never going to take place. Authentic, real, life-changing worship will never take place. So come prepared. Spend time daily with your Father. Seek Him daily. And the third, get your hands dirty. Go do something. Be the change you wish to see in the world. We are in a season right now that students, you're starting school very soon. I know, I'm sorry. Some of you are starting a brand new school. Some of you are about to leave for school. And so it's a, it's, it's, it's a scary time for many of you. 
Some of you adults, you may be starting new jobs. Maybe, maybe you've just moved here. Maybe you're brand new to the area. Maybe you're brand new to this church, whatever it is. Like we have all found ourselves in this moment, in this season at the same time. And I want you to know that your worship, the way that you seek God has the ability to change everything. I believe that with all that I have within me. We're about to sing a new song called Worthy of Your Name. And I'm just going to read just a few lines of it. It says, You're my author, my maker, my ransom, my savior, my refuge, and my hiding place. You're my helper, my healer, my blessed redeemer, my answer, my saving grace. You're my hope in the shadows, my strength in the battle, my anchor for all my days. You stand by my side and you stood in my place. Jesus, no other name, only Jesus no other name. If we get this right, if we get this part right, and if we start right now, we will realize the true meaning of life. (laughs) Everything changes. This, our worship has the ability to move the heart of God. So for you, what does your posture say? What is the posture of your worship saying about the posture of your heart? In uh, Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, you have, and we'll close with this. You have Nehemiah who, whose heart is broken for the, 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 the walls of Jerusalem. And so he wants to go back and build the walls and, and it takes like 30 days to build the walls of Jerusalem and to, to, to restore it to its former beauty. And in the time they, they, they find uh, the book of law and the, and the priest, like they're looking around and they, they, they find it. And so they start reading it and they say, oh church, we've forgotten. We have forgotten our God. And so their response in Nehemiah chapter five, they say, stand up and praise the Lord, your God, who is from everlasting to everlasting. Stand up and praise your God, for he is worthy of our highest praise. Pray with me. God, you are worthy. You deserve our best always. Not just when we're at church, but always. God, I pray that as we leave this time, as we, as we leave this building and as we go out into the world, God, I pray that we would be a people who point 
others to you. God, I pray that people would know that there is something different about us because our worship is always happening. It doesn't just happen on Sunday mornings, but it is in us and through us, and it's a part of our conversations. It's a part of everything that we do. God, I pray for our marriages. I pray that you would bring healing. I pray for families. I pray for uh, work situations. But God, I pray that in the midst of everything that we would seek you with all that we have all the time. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise and do not forget to do good and to share with others for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Let's go ahead and stand together.